Good morning and welcome to Smashy Business Daily. I'm Lubna Hamdan. And I'm Richard Fitzgerald. Today we talk about uh, a big shock to Wall Street and, and a lot of people. Meta will pay investors its first dividend in March uh, as shares uh, soared over 15% overnight. Saudi is going to create 39,000 tech jobs with a new PIF-backed company called Alat. Uh, and uh, as British media group Sky cuts 1,000 jobs, will the UAE uh, save Western media? And then Starbucks uh, have seen sales drop as Middle East boycotts hit the coffee giant. Exciting news day today, Richard. Yeah, wow. I love that second headline. Will will the UE save the Western media? Can't wait to talk about that one. Yeah. How are you doing, Lubna? End of the week? Uh, I'm doing great, except for one thing that's really bugging me. People are watching the show and telling me I need to smile more often. Oh, really? And, you know, being half Russian, it's just the smiling. (laughs) Is that true? Is that a stereotype or is it true? Do you think there's any merit to that? It's very true because we remove all the niceties and we smile when there's reason to smile. Yeah. Don't you smile if if there is no reason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just logical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I thought of uh, an Irish pundit, football pundit. He said three things in life are massively overrated, fireworks, parties and smiling. But, <laughs> but then other people say like smiling is when we smile it's good uh, energy and it's good for us good but it for also us. gives you wrinkles okay right? really so I don't know but you know what it's, it's probably because I, I'm a woman that people are saying that which is okay you know I've, I've got thick skin I don't get bothered by these things but oh, really? have you ever been told to smile Love that. I don't think it's a woman thing I don't know is it really it is you, yeah. you know how men are always telling women on the street like oh why do you look sad you should smile more oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm good, glad you brought it up. But I think there was some comments on the Love Dubai post about Tufik, and uh, it was you were kind of deadpan face as an interviewee would be, interviewer yeah. would be, yeah. and then the comments were like, "Hey, love the smile, show." But I think it's part of your like um, your your tough journalist, like tough love reporting style. I think it's part of your image, no? Yeah, but is. look, you can smile. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I can. It just starts hurting after a while. I'm not used to it. <laughs> But yeah. Um, anyways, um, so we woke up this morning to news um, that Meta uh, is going to pay investors its first dividends. Yeah. Uh, it was a shock to everyone uh, on Wall Street. Mm. Uh, so overnight, shares soared over 15%. Uh, their net income had tripled uh, from $4.6 billion last year to $14 billion dollars. Um, and it announced it will pay investors uh, 50 cents a share on March uh, 26th. Uh, this means all eyes are on Meta now. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I think it's huge. I think it's a huge change and shift. Uh, there's so many different ways to look at this. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, Meta hit a uh, all-time high over a trillion. I think they're back up to over a trillion markup now. But when the tech companies yeah, were on the wow, well, when the when the tech companies were on the on the rise, that kind of 2020 21 period, they all dropped about forty percent last year. Zuck was sticking about fifteen billion a year into the metaverse, and then he was like, "This is a waste of money." Yeah. And uh, not that he's fully given up on it, but you could see him strategically going back to the social platforms, launching threads so fast, uh, you know, you know, dealing with the TikTok threat threat. And that was a real threat. Like it it was almost an, an IG killer, right? And they 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 pivoted, they shut down 
down IGTV, which was its own app. They killed it. They went to Reels. And like you could see his strength as a growth hacker and a product guy. And you could see what they did with the platform. And, you know, it's not that long ago that the reputation was in tatters. And like they were up in um, the Senate this week as well, apologizing for the damage they're causing to children. But, and, and, you know, at the same time, the person who was credited with building their revenue stream left, right? Like Shell Sandberg left and look at this revenue. They're over 80 or $100 billion in revenue. And you just said they double, they tripled from 5 billion profits to 15 billion. That's huge. On the, on the shares, on the kind of, um, you know, the dividends part, why is this significant? Because tech companies usually don't pay dividends, yep. right? they usually don't make profits, right? Like, uh, and Bezos is uh, famous for saying, hey, give me, give me your money investors, but you're not getting dividends, trust me, that I will create the value, that you'll get enough return on the multiples. Uh, I'm pretty sure Netflix don't pay dividend, even though they make about five or 10% operating margin, they're, they're actually profitable. But Spotify aren't profitable. Uh, Musk certainly doesn't pay dividends, right? Like, um, and Bezos doesn't, and Zuck never did. And they've been public uh, for 12 years, right? So they've, they've been public since 2012. So to hear this uh, notice overnight is unbelievable. And why, why did the share price jump 15%? 15% of, of over a trillion dollars is not insignificant amount of mark cap that you that you added and their share price in 2023 was up like 56 percent it's nearly back at all-time highs so he's really turned it around you know and um you know like people say that people like uh, warren buffett don't invest or miss the tech bubble what warren buffett does is he invests in dividend companies not in market values so when steve jobs died tim cook uh, introduced the dividends 10 years ago in Apple. And about five, six years ago, Warren Buffett started building his pot in Apple. Now he's the biggest single shareholder, right? And he makes a ton of money a year on dividend. Like he owns 5% in Coca-Cola, makes a ton of money. So maybe he'll start buying shares in Meta now. But investors love a dividend. Uh, so no wonder the share price has gone up. It's really interesting because, you know, Steve Jobs was, was such a personality, uh, to, you know, but he was a bit reckless and he wasn't, you know, all about the money, right? It was more the, the creativity, the tech, the, the passion for the products. And, and again, the personality with Tim Cook, you know, uh, you know, they're making money and he's, he's kind of smarter business wise. Um, but it's just interesting to see the difference. There's always two kinds of people, right? Like even Warren Buffett is very smart in his investments, you know, but Musk is the one that you enjoy, uh, you know, following up with his news and, and all of that. Yeah, so. definitely. But I think it's huge. And I think, you know, investors in the region will be happy about this. Uh, if you've got, um, if you've got, uh, if you've got shares in Meta, like you're waking up this morning, you're kind of going, oh, great. Uh, and so many people uh, are so happy that, you know, like if, say you work for Meta and they have a few thousand employees in the region, right? Like these people who've had shares over the region, years yeah. now uh now we're getting dividends you know it's it's a big thing and you know it's also a big thing for shareholders and for boards like activists come on boards and if the ceo isn't giving dividends they have an issue with that like uh, what's that uh plesk or one of these activists went on the disney board last year and had a big issue with uh Iger that he wasn't going to reinstate the dividend that he posed during the pandemic and stuff like that. So it's a big thing. Yeah. You know, when we, you know, we talked recently this week or earlier last week 
about all the IPOs in the region. There was one going public in Saudi. And dividends are so important when people are deciding, when they read the prospectus, whether to invest in that company. Because you can, you can make profits uh, from, in two ways. Either the value of, the, of your shares going up or, uh, or dividends, right? And um, most of the semi-state companies that have listed partially they, they pay dividends, right? So whether it's Diwa or Adnoc Distribution, um, they all pay dividends. And uh, the yields can be, depending on the year, like six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent 10%. And also they can pay 50, 60% of profits on dividend. So I, I don't know the technicalities of this, but 15 cents a share seems generous, seems good. You, you do seem to know all the technicalities, Richard. Well, I, don't, I don't know what Meta are actually doing. It's kind of broke overnight, but I don't know, like, I don't know how much of that, uh, of that 15 billion or so that they've made last year, right? Because... Yeah. They, I mean, they, they've cut, uh, you know, it, it was cost-cutting measures made a huge difference to them as well, right? I think it decreased 8% year-on-year, and we're seeing that across the tech industry as well. Well, that's, that's another point. Glad you brought it up. Like, So when they let go thousands of people last year, now they're profitable, and now they can give shareholders dividends. And when, when you do fire people, the shareholders are usually happy because it's cost-cutting. Like, you know, it's tough. Uh, on the obviously on the people who lose their jobs, but there you know you had a, a guest on recently, uh, Justin McGuire from MCG, and you know I spoke to him as well, and he was kind of saying that the era of the cushy tech job is over, and as these tech companies have more pressure from Wall Street to turn a profit, and we'll see a bit of that in this region as well, right? Like a lot of these companies will go public, uh, a lot of these tech companies in in Saudi and Abu Dhabi will go public, but when they're public. Uh, there'll be more scrutiny, and then there'll also be more pressure on profits. And then those profits then can turn into dividends. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I do feel bad for all the people, obviously, that lost their jobs in tech. But let's be honest, they were paying you know, really high, high salaries, uh, and it just wasn't realistic. So I, I feel it was bound to happen. But speaking of tech jobs, uh, Saudi is stepping in. Uh, all the Western companies are cutting tech jobs. Saudi is going to create 39,000 jobs. Alat means machinery uh, in Arabic, just a fun little fact. Um, that's interesting. Uh, it, it's uh, set to contribute $9.3 billion to the kingdom's uh, uh, non-oil GDP by 2030, part of the Crown Prince's vision. Uh, and Saudi is basically looking to become a global hub for sustainable tech manufacturing. It's interesting that this news is coming out now. Saudi is making all the right moves. That's so amazing. Like, you know, it really is fascinating. Like, the key word that you mentioned at the end there was manufacturing, right? Because, you know, uh, from this region, even still, like, we always wonder, is the UAE somewhere where you can do manufacturing? Or do you need to do it in Asia or whatever? If you, you know, and it's fascinating that they're opening up big factories over there for Lucid, for cars. Like, they really do. As I said, it's a domestic story. And, um, you know, that Saudi can manufacture its own things tech-wise is just going to become amazing. And I think the other thing is, you know, we've worked with uh, the Ignite program under the Ministry of Investment in Saudi Arabia, MISA, and, you know, they told us that why have they got this funds for media and content? It's because they want to create this layer of a job that never existed before. This uh, content, you know, we talked about tech jobs, but, like, 
Those are also jobs that, yes, I pay a lot. So they're nice jobs for people, right? And also working in the media and doing content is also a nice job. It's, it's different to the service industry. It's different to more menial jobs like, you know, and all uh, functioning uh, economies need different layers of jobs and reward different expertise. So, uh, you know, again, we often talk about it on the show that the, the strategy is so clear that if you can create new jobs, like the, I think the, I think like what's the statistic? I think it's 12 or 15% unemployment, but one of the uh, key stats about Vision 2030 is to create more jobs, uh, but it can't be any type of job, right? Like in, in the hospitality sector, like with all these giga projects, they're going to create a, a million jobs in hotels and F&B, but then they need another layer of jobs as well. And uh, key is uh, jobs that are sort of like, uh, you know, nine to five, nine to six, uh, well paid, uh, adding to the industry. And I, I just love the manufacturing part of this as well, because it is, it is, uh, proof and the signs that they can eventually move away from dependency on oil. Absolutely. And you know what? I think 2024 is going to be the year for both Saudi and the UAE, uh, which leads me to my next story. Uh, uh, British media group Sky uh, uh, announced that it's planning to cut a thousand jobs. Um, Last year, they also cut hundreds of jobs. They moved from satellite broadcasting to uh, TV over the internet. There's a wave of media layoffs in the West. There's BT, uh, they cut 55,000 jobs last year. Channel 4 slash 15% of staff and Virgin Media's uh, O2 cut 10% last year, right? Uh, the UAE government <laughs> wants to now acquire some Western media. UK press is not happy about it. Uh, let's give uh, let's give the the listeners and viewers a, a little bit of context. Um, so there's a U.S. company, a U.S. based company called Redbird Capital. Uh, it's backed by so it's a joint venture. Sorry, it's called Redbird IMI. And it's a joint venture between U.S.-based Redbird Capital and International Media Investments, which is owned by, of course, Manchester City owner Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed Nahyan of Abu Dhabi. Uh, and they own 75% uh, of the joint venture. Uh, their portfolio includes The National, uh, CNN Business Arabic, uh, Alain News, and they have interests in Sky News Arabia and Euronews. Uh, but they're making big moves. They hired former Chancellor George Osborne to advise them in their bid to buy The Telegraph and The Spectator. This was in the news a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they hired ex-CNN's president of worldwide, worldwide commercial, uh, Rani Rad, uh, and Jeff Tucker, big name. Tucker, uh, yeah. Ex-president of, of CNN Worldwide, yeah. Yeah, a brilliant story. Love that. Really fascinating. You know, down in Yas Creative Hub and... 2454 in Abu Dhabi, there's a new building going up there. It's IMI headquarters. And like you introduced it, it's like, you know, Abu Dhabi media have been a key pillar uh, and the different entities down there in media in the UAE for years. Uh, and obviously Sky News Arabia and some of the titles you mentioned do really well at getting the message out there in our world and provide lots of jobs and the academies and different things like that. And I just think that by bringing in those, the level, and there's been other senior hires about different departments and by having this JV with Redbird Capital, there's a guy called Jerry Cardinale who runs Redbird Capital. And they, that, that private equity firm have been a key pillar in like sports rights and acquisitions, you know, with Fenway and with different types of clubs over the years. And they, uh, uh, that, that guy spoke at FII recently in, in Riyadh. And it's all about media assets and investments. And there's huge things happening globally. Like, 
Uh, Paramount is up for sale. Uh, they were linked with that. Uh, you know, the comp the group behind, uh, you know, Endeavor, uh, they listed with TKO, which was a, which bought WWE and bought UFC and went public. And so there's a lot of M&A happening at different levels, even as a result of media being under pressure. And, you, you know, I think the two companies that IMI have been linked with for now are, uh, are that Paramount one that looks to be going to another group in the US. But the one that they're sort of alluded to your story is the Telegraph in the UK. So the Telegraph is one of these storied conservative uh, newspaper titles in the UK. And it's up for grabs. It's got a lot of debt. And um, yeah, as you said, the, the British media aren't sure about that falling into the hands of uh, of IMI, Redbird IMI. So, uh, but I think Emirati what. Emirati is, is, is the, the term. Is what, is. yeah. I love how they always say that the Russians, the Emiratis, it's very like us versus them. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, could comment on that sort of narrative and how they position stuff. Like, it, it, for me, it's just so obvious seeing how they position things. Like, uh, you know, the, the Daily Mail, like, they just have a certain view of the region. But I think how Abu Dhabi have managed international investments is just credible, right? Like even, even, uh, you know, Manchester City, how they manage that. Okay. There's, there are some charges and things like that. But I think for me personally, we can talk about this another time. That's more to do with the interpretation of the financial fair play and, and everyone's getting tripped up by it. It's not just, you know, but it's credible how they bring in the best expertise to run these entities. And that's what they're doing now with. Uh, Redbird IMI. And, you know, I, I for one, am uh, really pleased that we're seeing uh, both domestic investment in media, but international investment in media from the region as yeah, well. Yeah. It's funny because the Spectator's um, editor, uh, Fraser Nelson, wrote an op-ed about it, and he was not happy about it. And he talked about uh, the importance of free press and free speech. You know, we, we have to remember the Spectator, spectator is right-wing. Uh, and also, the UK press in general has not been you know, uh, has not offered, like, if you look at the BBC, you know, their reporters were not allowed to mention certain uh, terms, uh, use certain terms when reporting on Palestine, for example. So I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, look, 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 you know, the, the British media has done many things bad in the past, right? Like, whether it's phone hacking, uh, you know, deceased children's phones and things like that. Like, there's a lot of bad things that have gone on there. There's a lot of uh, you know, there's certain guidelines that don't work mm -hmm. in in the in the in the structure of society in, in Western culture. Uh, you know, and I think uh, the media in this region uh, is is new, but it's more uh, understanding of. Uh, it's just for me personally, it's a better, safer environment online. And uh, you know, but I think um, there's always going to be this debate about ownership of media, about whether it should be. Uh, who should own it and whether there's in editorial interference. And I get that. And I think that's one of the things that people like George Osborne has been brought involved to do. Uh, but, you know, it, it is fascinating from an investment and ownership point of view. And I think uh, ultimately, like people can say that media is a soft power buy, but media is a business, right? And I don't think that all this capital is going in for the sake of having just influence. I, I do think that uh, profits and the people who are hired there will have targets around profits as well. And, and, you know, a lot of these legacy medias, like, you know, what is the audience of these legacy media brands and the value of them? Like you alluded to some of the jobs being let go in the UK, but the whole US media right now is talking about layoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
it's been it's been like this for a few years. But there was a huge story last week about Sports Illustrated about what a mess they're in, and there's jobs being let go everywhere, right? So media is definitely going through a, a change, and you know if if people are publishing on modern media on TikTok and podcasts and growing so fast, then what's the value of the Telegraph, right? If I can create another uh, podcast or newsletter and talk about the same things, I was listening to a podcast yesterday about. Washington Post. There's a new CEO there, and he's kind of talking about what he's doing. But in in the last sort of five ten years, in Washington Post domain, which is politics in Washington, about five or six competitors have set up and kind of eaten their lunch. From Politico to the Puck to Axios to uh, to other ones, uh, something on a hill like so they. Yeah, so a lot of them, and even more, like a lot of them have set up and they've hired ex-journalists from Washington Post, and they basically built a bigger, more nuanced audience around topics that people care about. So it just shows the kind of moat or the the ownership that Washington Post have over politics in Washington doesn't exist. So what's the value then? You know, and Jeff Bezos owns Washington Post, but he hasn't been able to make it a juggernaut like he did with Amazon, right? So I, I think. When I and I are looking at the Telegraph, they'll probably pay over the odds for it. Yeah. They'll probably clear the debt. They'll probably uh, chuck a lot of senior people in, yeah. and then brands like us will do better than them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what they they want uh, Emirati and Saudi money when it suits them, and then when it doesn't suit them, they, they don't want it. But anyway, you know what? At least, <laughs> come on, like you know, journalists here get paid really well compared to other parts of the world. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. So I think I think they should take it. <laughs> I think they should take that offer. Uh, let's see what happens. Um, okay, uh, last story of the day: Starbucks. Talking about Starbucks yet again. Um, sales are down uh, because of Middle East boycotts uh, due to the to the Palestinian. Uh, I hear the stores in Kuwait are empty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kuwait specifically, right? They mm. they feel very strongly about the Palestinian cause. Um, so they've been the coffee giant has been relatively uh, quiet. We just said the other day that uh, we were talking about whether businesses should comment uh, on politics or not. Um, finally, they said something. They said uh, their sales uh, are hurting. There's a lot of consumer anger in the Middle East. But they described it as temporary. Uh, the company's fiscal first quarter results on Tuesday missed expectations. Uh, they cut uh, their full year sales forecast forecast from ten uh, percent to twelve percent. It's now predicted to be seven to ten percent. Yeah. Um, I feel like they shouldn't have been quiet because what happened is that they're being boycotted by both pro-Palestinians and pro-Israelis mm. because of what the union posted, uh, you know, Free Palestine. What's the union? Uh, the, 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 the Starbucks union workers. They okay. had posted on social media. Yeah. Uh, I keep calling it Twitter X. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they posted in support of Palestine. Uh, you know, Starbucks distanced itself from that, but the pro-Israelis still got upset with it. They didn't think that they spoke... Uh, you know, they responded uh, in a, it wasn't harsh enough, they said. So now they're being boycotted by both sides. Wow, I think there's a few things there. There's like, there's always been links, uh, you know, uh, with, and we talked about this before with Starbucks, but then there was that incident, and then there was also something else that the CEO said, uh, they'll still drink their frappuccino or some, some comment like that, and the Gen Z were kind of like, no, actually, 
we're going to vote now, like we're, we're actually canceling you. Yeah. So they got offended, like, because he kind of, as much to say they don't really care, yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're, they're actually not people of substance, basically. Right. So he just, he killed a whole youth uh, base, you know. Um, so I think, uh, I think that's fascinating that people are voting with their feet and they actually are being canceled. But we see, we see these brands come back. Like, I think we talked about this before that, uh, you know, I remember Balenciaga were cancelled and then I see, I see yeah. their, their sales are doing fine again. So I, I think, um, you know, the, the CEO, as you, as you quoted his quotes, like they did make a statement last night. Um, I just wonder, Lumna, what do you think? Like, because say, um, say I'm, I'm a Kuwaiti national or I'm a, I'm a Saudi national and I have a job in Starbucks mm. Uh, and I'm using the funds from my from my barista job to pay for my family and my kids' schooling. Right. Do I deserve to lose my job over this? Like, do you know what I mean? I think it's a, I think you know, rock and a hard fence in terms of like Al Shire are the are the you know the regional owners of the franchise, right. right? Do they deserve to suffer because of an American guy's opinion? They don't, but I think they have enough money to. Uh, to to do something about it, right? There are a lot of coffee alternatives. Uh, you know, uh, we joke about this, but you know, if you look at what Russia did with Starbucks, uh, Starbucks's assets in Moscow, uh, they just changed it into Stars Coffee. Why doesn't Kuwait, uh, you know, do the same thing? Why why not? I mean, if Russia, with everything that was going on with it, survived that, and they're making a lot of money now. Why can't Al-Shaya do... Okay, so imagine you woke up tomorrow and you drove across UAE and it was Al-Shaya coffee instead of Starbucks. Contracts were ripped up. Do you think that would be a good move? I think it could still be... It could still. It doesn't have to be Al-Shaya coffee. It can be something just as cool. How many local... Shaya books. <laughs> Star Shaya. Just bucks. <laughs> bucks, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. It, it, you know, if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't a genocide... I, I wouldn't be saying this. Uh, if it was a conflict, I wouldn't be saying this. But, you know, and, you know, don't get me wrong. If, if, if you're someone who works at Starbucks right now and you're supporting your family, obviously no one is going to, no one is asking you to leave your job. No one is going to judge you uh, for that. And, and no one wants you to suffer. Um, but, you know, Al Shaya do have a lot of money, right? They make a lot of money. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, I, 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 I they, they can of, afford it, is what I'm saying. I, I mean, I get you, right? But like, with with a lot of money that they make, they also have a lot of expenses, and they, you know, the, the, the lot of money goes somewhere. And having a, a stable company like that, and the investments that they made across the region, creates more jobs and things like that. And if these uh, if these pioneers and the people behind groups like that, if they suffer, if they disappear, the whole region economy suffers as well. You know, we are leveraging on the back of American tech companies and American brands, but it does, at some level, create circular wealth within the region, right? Some of those funds, like whatever the royalties do go back to the US, but there's also a lot of profits that are going around here. So, um, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, I. I think it's. I think we need both. I think we need uh, international brands, and I think we need indigenous homegrown brands. And uh, you know, if people are earning salaries, like if you're a head of marketing at Starbucks and you live in Dubai and you're paying for your kids to go to school here, that uh, that's important. That's important mix in the economy. But yeah, they do have a lot of money. But like, I, I just think of like I think of us. If someone said to me. Hey, Rich, you need to do this because you have a lot of money as a business. I, I'm, I, it's kind of relative. I also have to pay 
90 people's salary each month, you know? Absolutely, but you know what? Sales are, are already down. They're hurting, right? They might actually have to shut down stores. Who knows? So, you know, we, we can sit here and say, give our opinions and say whatever we like, but at the end of the day, the fact is that yeah. people are not buying. Um, yeah. It, it, I think I think UAE is okay. I think uh, Kuwait and other places not so much. Yeah, so maybe they would have to make changes just in Kuwait. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But do you think that do you think that they should be beholden to a spokesperson in the US? You know, it's a tricky situation, isn't it? McDonald's the same. I, I do agree. It is tricky, but I, I think people are just horrified by by the situation. They're so horrified that they don't even care whatever explanation you give. Mm. I mean, that 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 is how it's been. Yeah. they have put out, uh, you know, the Middle Eastern franchises have consistently put out statements and donated money and it's just not working for people. Mm, fair. All right. Well, I think you have a guest coming up. Yes, we do have a guest from Coiga uh, Sunwear. Uh, we're going to talk modest fashion. We're going to talk sustainability. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we've got Maureen Hall with us in the studio. Maureen, you went from Air Force mechanic yeah. to uh, self-taught fashion designer, and you did it at the time to uh, create, I think, uh, swimming, like pool shoes uh, and stuff for your sons who, who are yes. now grown up. Yes. Uh, this was in yes. 2004 also. Yeah, yeah. Um, I moved to Dubai in 2000, uh, 24 years now, this month, actually. Wow. And um, yeah, we, <laughs> and it became really apparent that we needed um, some protection around the pool, yeah. protection from the sun. So I created yeah some outfits yeah. for us. I mean, what was that like going from you know being an, an Air Force engineer to yeah. to fashion? Because it's so different. It is. It's very different. Um, I mean, it's it's hands on uh, being you know uh, in the Air Force very hands-on, but part-time, in my spare time, I was always sewing. I used to make all my own clothes since I was like 14, 15 years old. Wow. So um, that was just a part-time thing that I had for me, you know, doing it for a few people. I love how now, you know, part-time, you know, we go play paddle or something. You know, yeah. back in the day, it was part-time, I was uh, I was making my own clothes. Yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> that, I mean, that's amazing. Um, Tell me a little bit about uh, the brand. So it's European fabrics, it's UV protected, it's sustainable. And then I noticed that there is a big focus on modest fashion. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing is, is uh, we, we need a protection from the sun. I burn, we burn very easily in the sun. Um, so it was about, you know, creating something that was colorful and fun back then in, in 2000. There wasn't much on the shelves at all. There was yeah. a few, a few like men's rash guards, maybe like black or very dull colors, but mm. I wanted something bright and vibrant. Um, and, and as people really, you know, began to see it, they were like, wow, it looks so nice. Where did you get it? And I was like, well, I made it. Oh, can you make me some? And then I thought, okay, maybe this is a really good, um, you know, thing for me to try as a, as a business. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I went into the stores, cause I was a one woman show for the first five years, I did everything. Did you in the beginning? Yes. Yeah, I did everything myself. I did the designing. I ordered the fabrics. I went to the outsource manufacturer that we still use here 20 years later. Mm -hmm. um, I did all the sales calls and I did the deliveries. 
And when I would do the deliveries and put the the garments out on display at the stores, I would talk to the the staff in the stores and say, what are people saying? Do they like it? You know, do they want something a bit different? I got chills, Maureen. <laughs> wow. Okay. And they're, 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 um, you know, a lot of the feedback was people like it for modest reasons, not just for protection from the sun, but for other things, religious, cultural. Mm. Maybe they just, you know, don't like going to the beach in their underwear, basically. Yeah. And so I started just kind of developing the more modest side of it. Um, and and uh, yeah, so and it now includes you're over a hundred retailers. Yes, yeah, yeah. We're in twelve countries, over a hundred retailers. Um, I mean, you know, Dubai and the UAE is our biggest region, but we are expanding, mm-hmm. you know, slow and steady mm-hmm. into other regions. What what is your uh, what are your expansion plans, and how do you see uh, you know the company growing, or, or are you happy with it right now, where, where it's at? I mean. Yeah, I mean, I I am happy with where it it is. I I don't want a big, massive, you know, um, expansion because that's when things get out of control. Mm -hmm. And it's me. I'm, you know, the one running everything. So I don't want to be too overwhelmed. But I like just a gradual, you know, gradual increase in, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. In uh, yeah. in our where we're where we're distributing, right, right. Mm-hmm. And you haven't opened any individual stores. No, no. That was a conscious decision I made right away. Was that I wanted something that I didn't feel I was tied to. Um, Very smart business decision. Yeah, I just I thought I still want to be able to. My kids were small. I wanted to be able to come and go and not feel like I had to be there all the time. So we we wholesale to all of our customers. Um, and they have the shops, they have the stores, mm-hmm. you know, as well as online. We, we, do distri- we do sell through all of the major e-commerce uh, platforms okay. in the region. And then we have our own e-commerce okay. store, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just, just uh, as a presence. Yeah, okay, <laughs> nice, lovely. Um, it's funny because a lot of, well, it's not funny, it's, it's kind of ironic. A lot of the companies, uh, the retailers, they love opening stores for mm-hmm. their own egos, right? Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot of vanity involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that uh, a little bit, uh, because uh, I, I read uh, in one of your interviews that you said you're very financially kind of... Um, uh, very stringent. Was yes, the word you used. yes. Yeah, and you grew up that way. I did grow up that way because I am one of nine children in a wow. very, um, you know, my dad was in the Air Force, wow. so it was on a modest uh, we income. We would say, in our yeah. <laughs> are you are you partly Arab? <laughs> Green. <laughs> um, no, so you know, we grew up with. Um, you, you don't waste anything, you don't overspend, you'd be very cautious about it, you don't need to go and have all the bells and whistles, you, you have what you need, and, and I don't like to waste, you know, money um, on something just because it looks really good, you know. I think it's really fascinating that the way that your parents raise you really mm-hmm. affects uh, everything in, in your future. Like, yes. uh, 
you know, business-wise, like uh, career, savings, everything, right? Yes. Uh, my, my parents, bless them, <laughs> where we're not the best at saving, you know, we like to, we like to spend money, which is not that, uh, that bright. So maybe after the show, you can give me a couple yeah. of uh, pieces of advice. <laughs> um, you started in 2004. Yes. The startup ecosystem has changed so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of companies now, you know, overvalued here uh, in the region. Startups raise so much money that they don't necessarily need. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when Kareem first opened, uh, I think maybe not in the beginning, but they had offices in Media City when they were still small. Mm-hmm. People were criticizing them, kind of saying, you know, why, as a startup, would mm-hmm. you need an office in Media City? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me, yeah, tell me your thoughts and, and how did you, how do you see that the ecosystem has changed since Yeah, I mean, I, I've never looked for an investor, so I don't really know that side of things. I have thought about it over the years, but then I'm like, oh, you know, bringing someone on board. So you've been bootstrapping. Bootstrapping the whole time. The whole time. Wow. I just, in the beginning, the first number of years, I would just put the money back into the the company. You know, I didn't need to walk away with a whole bunch of cash. So I would just keep putting it away. And then probably, you know, then I started paying myself over, you know, some time. Um, But yeah, I I, I just, uh, I like to keep things very, very tight and not be wasting throwing money away Mm -hmm. unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And there is a real trend of, of um, you know, investors investing and hoping that it's going to be that unicorn uh, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But those, I, I don't, those are very far, you know, and few between. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's not my, my ethos at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think startups can learn a lot from you and founders can, can learn a lot from you because mm-hmm. we have so many that you know, Bezat is an insurance company here. They laid off, uh, you know, a lot of staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't pay them their salaries. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people shutting down companies. Uh, you know, what advice would you give these uh, startup founders and also the investors? Because, you know, if you're giving a 20-something-year-old guy, which is great, right, because there is a funding mm-hmm. gap here. Mm-hmm. So we're not mm-hmm. saying we don't need yeah. investor yeah. money. Yeah. Perhaps we need more mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So what advice would you give both investors and founders as a, as a bootstrapping, you know, success mm-hmm. story, really? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that for me, it wasn't necess- I-, I didn't have this craving to make millions overnight. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I was just happy to just plod along just take my time. And that that's not always, that's a bit of a luxury, mm-hmm. I think, for people who are starting a company. They need to see a profit within the first, I don't know, one, three years. Sure. Um, but, you know, for every company that starts up, one uh, only so many make it to the three-year mark. Right. And then after that, it drops again to the five-year mark and right. the 10-year mark right. and the 15. It, yeah, it is. It is. So it's a real... So I just wanted to build something that, you know, was a really good brand, um, something that I would be proud to wear, my family would be proud to wear, and they still are, even though my oldest son is 30 and, Aww. you know, he still he still <laughs> likes to, you know, wear the rash guard. Um, and that friends would be proud to wear. Mm. Um, yeah, I just... That's so cool. That's really mm. cool. Do you mind me asking how much you, you know, initially invested in the company? Uh, but, I mean, back then, I'm sure back it's Back then, it's it probably yeah. a couple of hundred thousand. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What What's the plan? Do you ever want to list the company? Are you, you know, mm. do you want to? I don't know. You would you like to retire soon? We We spoke mm-hmm. the other day with uh, mm-hmm. with Richard uh, about retirement, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had interviewed the CEO of Stars Play, a yeah. streaming platform, and he okay. said he doesn't want to retire because yeah. he saw his dad retire. Yes. He, uh, you know. Grew older much faster. Yes. Yes. So, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm I'm the same. I don't want to retire fully for sure. It would be nice to have a little more time to go um, and you know visit my boys who are not living in the UAE. Um, spend time with my big family back in Canada as yeah. well. Uh, travel a bit more, but I would like to always have my hand. Um, in 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 Kawega, and if not Kawega, something else. I know I will not be the type who can sit at home, you know, and and do nothing. Yeah. And I've I said to my sister the other night, my dream thing to do in retirement would be to go to the all the different um, parks, the national parks in Canada, and help clear trails and everything. I know how to use a chainsaw. I'm you know wow. I, I'm not afraid to pick up a shovel and and that's your and, dream. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but I love the outdoors. You know what? There is something so soothing about nature. There is. It's just peaceful. You know, there's not all of this distraction and the horns and the rushing and the bustling. And it's just, you know, it wouldn't mean I want to do it all the time, but maybe for a week, go and do that, you know? This Go is going to work in so a big millennial. garden or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I used to garden with my mom mm-hmm. when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is going to sound so millennial, but I'm loving your vibe. <laughs> you're, you are such a vibe. <laughs> um, so, right, going back to the, yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna try okay. to push you a little okay. bit on this, okay? Okay. Um, so any listing plans or would you like to maybe sell part of the business or um, maybe listing? even if you're not in talks right now? Yeah, I don't think listing. I don't know. You never know what happens tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Nothing, something can happen in the next minute. Yeah. I don't know about listing per se, but, you know, bringing on somebody who's a strategic investor and not someone who just comes with money. Right. You know, right. somebody who's, you know, there to w- help with the growth, who's got those angles and, and have the connections yeah. of different places to go, that sort of thing. Yeah. And have the same passion as you. And has the same passion, yeah. be able to work with them. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty easy to get along with, but yeah. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, Maureen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're uh, welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. And uh, I still can't believe you, you know, you built that business uh, by yourself while mm-hmm. also uh, uh, taking care of two two kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two kids. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Thank Absolutely you. incredible. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much, Maureen. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, guys, um, don't forget to watch us uh, on Smashy TV. Subscribe. It's only 18 dirhams. Uh, okay, it's not going to break the bank. Uh, it's 18 dirhams per month. Subscribe. Uh, we've got lots of sports shows on there as well. And then listen to us on your way uh, to work, on your way back to work, on your way to the gym. Uh, listen to us on, wherever you get your podcasts. Anghami, Spotify, Apple. And we'll see you tomorrow.